Welcome to The Proletarian Contrarian, the podcast where we reevaluate bad films through a leftist perspective. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. And Procon Smash! Pow! Biff! Bam! (laughs) Womp! We're doing uh, Hulk, the 2003 version, directed by Ang Lee today. Um, The motherfucking Hulk! Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, Lewis's favorite superhero, if I'm not mistaken. Well, um, it's Ghost Rider, but uh, Hulk is a close second for sure. Uh, one of one of Lewis's favorite superheroes. One of yes, top okay, five: yeah. Ghost Rider, okay. Hulk. <laughs> yep. Moon Knight. Yep. Not Batman. Not Batman. No, 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 no. Of course not. Uh, Superman. Superman. If we have to throw it yeah. to DC, and if we have to throw it to uh, an independent, uh, no. I can't. That's, that's okay. That's fine. Got. Well, we'll we'll let you think about it for the episode. Then yeah. we can uh, circle back to this at oh, the yeah, end. Definitely. Um, you can do yours later yeah, as well. Yeah, we'll do mine. <laughs> but yeah, the the 2003 Hulk movie. Uh, I had never seen it. Um, I had seen the 2008 version. Um, but yeah, as we said, directed by Ang Lee, who is a really good director in my opinion. Um, starring Eric Bana, Jennifer Connelly, Sam Elliott, Nick Nolte, and Josh Lucas. Um, and Daniel oh, Day yeah. Kim, yeah, yeah, <laughs> from Lost um, and uh, the, the most Lost recent guy. Hellboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this this is another one of those uh, Marvel movies in the in the Raimi era before uh, Disney acquired uh, Marvel. That definitely comes through. There, there really aren't any other references to other Marvel properties. Um, no, not. But at all. that's that's to this movie's benefit, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I liked when they were standalone. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, uh, what DC is doing right now, actually, after they kind of failed miserably with connecting the <laughs> universes, or yes. as, you know, the audience would say, they failed miserably here at ProCon, we right. would say, uh, you know, uh, valiant <laughs> effort, at least. Um, exactly. Obviously, we, we loved Justice League, but yeah, no, it was nice uh, when when Marvel would do these standalones. I mean, if you look at um, some of the best from that era, you have the the first two Spider-Men, uh, you have this film, you have Blade. Um, I remember liking Blade 2, but it's been a very long time since I've seen that. And then mm-hmm. you, of course, have the first X-Men films as well. And, you know, Nary 2 Shall Meet, which was nice. Yeah, um, the most they would do is like cute little throwaway lines of dialogue or something. Like I know they mentioned Doctor Strange and Spider Man, but it's like it's literally like a throw a throwaway line of dialogue. It has nothing to do with the, to do with the plot. Yeah, but yeah, the one of the benefits of having these standalone superhero movies is they they're much they don't feel like they're made by committee like a lot of the Marvel films mm-hmm. do. I know that, that's yeah, kind of a sure. rote criticism, but it is true um, with very few exceptions. Um, I, I think most of the Marvel movies really do feel like they're checking off um, checking off a checklist of things they have to include in the movie, but because the the CEO of Disney, like Mickey Mouse, told them to. Um, <laughs> like like this movie, on the other hand, it it definitely feels like it has a stronger directorial voice than like I don't know Endgame or something. Right. Yeah. They they allowed the films to first uh, actually have like an interesting director and then second this screenwriter the director the cinematographer like the even the person who did the score like they're all allowed to just 
do whatever they felt like doing. There was very little Mm -hmm. um, supervision, it seems like, almost. I mean, I know Ari Ari Arad, I think is his name. Avi Arad. Avi Arad. You know, he was always involved in these. And um, Paul Feig is even a producer on this one as well. Mm -hmm. I noticed that. Um, So, you know, I mean, I guess they just didn't have the blueprint for a larger universe. Um, So, you know, I guess that's maybe something we could chalk it up to. But yeah, for the most part, nerds kind of really disliked this when it came out. Um, I remember that being the consensus when it was out in theaters, um, even though I hadn't seen it. C- comparatively, critics like it better. I think we have um, a 62% versus 29% ratio here, um, which is pretty stark. And, th- and that's the justification. Well, that's the reasoning behind picking this movie. Marvel nerds don't like it because comic book nerds are the stupidest people alive (laughs) Um, (laughs) to be fair like when i saw it as a 13 year old i really hated it actually Mm, um you you that makes sense that tracks (laughs) (laughs) yeah i remember because like i really loved the punisher movie with tom jane oh that's one of my guilty pleasures honestly we we might have to do that one we might have to do Um, that one it's true um or the or the punisher war zone which i don't think you've actually seen have you no oh oh we could see that one that would mean we'd have done all three Punisher movies. Yeah, right? we might as well just do all three Punisher movies. We've got to kind of pepper them throughout our uh, our run here. Um, yeah, we... But yeah, no, I hated this movie when I saw it. I had tracked okay. the production similarly to how I like tracked the production of Ghost Rider because, you know, these are like some of the first movies to have like websites devoted to them. Damn, that must have been brutal for you as a kid because your, your two favorite superheroes got really... I mean, I mean, for for the time, considering really middling adaptations. Yeah, no, it was hell to be teenage Damn. Lewis for these reasons alone, and and yeah. for them to be, I think, five years apart too, because yeah, because Ghost Rider, I think, is oh eight, because mm-hmm. yeah, so yep, I was in middle school here, and then I was in high school, uh, yep. and I think I think oh eight is that the same year that the Incredible Hulk with uh, what's his name with Ed Norton came out? Actually. 2008 was crazy because not only did it have Incredible Hulk, but it had The Dark Knight and it had Iron Man too. And, uh, that's right. Yeah. What no. A year. So Ghost Rider was 2007. I okay. Oh seven. Yeah. Yeah. Still, point is, a number of years afterwards, and these were like the tail end of that um, more independent leaning Marvel era. Yeah, so we have a review here by Lisa Schwartzbaum of Entertainment Weekly. Uh, she did not like this movie, actually. Um, boo, boo, hiss, <laughs> <All right>. smash. <laughs> uh, so Lisa Schwartzbaum says, "Beware the comic book movie in which post-morphed computer-generated superhero is more human than the pre-morphed actual human." <laughs> nice dig there at Eric yeah. Bana. Uh, beware too the comic book adaptation that becomes obsessed with its own translation of flat panel art into kinetic moving pictures. Lee and cinematographer Frederick Elms lose themselves happily and lose us narratively in looking for novel ways to photograph cellular transformation, especially in early scenes when the baby Bruce is being used as a human lab rat by his maniacal father. Lee also frequently divides the screen, self-consciously, and to no added effect, like a comic book page of multiple images, especially during scenes when Betty's military brass father is pursuing the Hulk for revenge reasons of his own. Yeah, that's probably one of the more infamous um, aspects of this movie. The the comic book multi, multi-scene, multi multi-panel um, breakdown in the same shot. 
it's not always done well or effectively, but um, I don't know. I, I really appreciated the attempt, and there, there were some sequences that really that really did work well. Yeah, I don't mind it for the most part. Um, you know, I think with all of these early comic book movies, there was uh, some like cheesiness or hokiness. Definitely. Uh, and this definitely like really poured it on, unfortunately. But like, but, comic books about superheroes are inherently cheesy and hokey. Right, right. That was my. That was what I was going to say next, Nicholas. Thank you. <laughs> oh, well, we're just proving we're on the thinking on the same level here. Yes, or um, I'm a revisionist. But as we said last week, revision yes. is is okay. <laughs> it's fine. And yeah, I mean, honestly, that's one of the strengths, the main strengths of the Raimi trilogy, too, how they're unafraid to be cheesy, but cheesy in a way that works for them. Yeah, definitely. Although some people would, would argue that it doesn't work at all in Spider-Man 3, which I guess is another one we have to do. Yeah, and I've actually never seen that one either. So oh, my we, God. We really I know. Wow. I know. Um, we do have another another quote here from the Schwarzbaum Review. She writes, when Bland Banner explodes into Hulk mode, though, when he's so blindingly furious that he breaks things without a thought in his trapezoidal head, <laughs> the filmmaker seems uncomfortable with his own creation. Just when we've ditched expectations of human charisma and are ready for some big dumb fun, the crouching CGI monster has hustled through his destructive sprees like an obligation rather than a reward. In his confused comic book parable about the cycle of godless destruction unleashed with the atom bomb, or whatever, the son's psychological struggles with his mad father are too dully heavy, while the monster's displays of magic destruction are too dully slight. And really, aren't we entitled to at least a marvelous moment or two when the beast outwits his pursuers, is soothed by beauty, and thrills us with how exciting it is being green? That's what this fucking movie has! That's yes! like, That is like the last fucking third of this movie. I don't know what movie she was watching. Honestly, was she watching, was this like her going in the future and watching the fucking 08 movie? Because that movie I'll, is fucking like okay, we, soulless. We, we, we are on some weird ass banner David mind synergy here because I was just gonna say <laughs> it sounds like the the screenwriters and the producers of the 08 version directly responded to this piece of the review. Yeah, and, no, it's and true. In in doing so, they revealed like the the paucity of that of, of that review because like there there's a ton more quote unquote like action and fight scenes in in the 2008 movie, but like I, I can't it, it it's incomprehensible to me. It, it's like the most. It, it's like a Transformers movie in at at its worst. The the O eight version. Yeah, and what's interesting about the O eight version? It's directed by uh, Louis Latier, um, who did oh, another another Louis. Huh? Yeah, another Louis. <laughs> um, the bad Louis, of course. The good Louis being me. Um, but he did a bunch of action films. Uh, he's a French director, mm-hmm. so he started with French cinema, and I think he did French action films. Then he did american films uh after that film i think is when he did those like uh those magic movies like now you see me or whatever oh my yeah those are probably gonna have to be on yeah this, um... i i agree we'll have to do those eventually but yeah i think louis latier at least directed the first one but he had directed a film i think we had mentioned previously on this podcast uh danny the dog um oh okay jet lee where jet lee like is like a a cage fighter yeah he has like a leash in it like yeah it's, a, it's, like, it's like a somatic trigger to make yep. it go crazy or whatever yeah 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 so he did that film and i believe that's before the 08 hulk film um mm-hmm. so it's interesting i mean he has actually more um like action cinema uh bona fides but yeah he's it's but fucking the marvel, the marvel machine grinds that creativity out of you unless unless you're already like a company man 
Yep, exactly. Well, and also that Hulk was the first actual film in the MCU too. It was even before no, Iron, Iron, Man. Iron Man because uh, oh, Tony, fuck, Stark, yeah. Tony Stark. Tony Stark has the, the, the that. cameo. That's yeah. right. Yeah, because they introduce. Well, that's the first one where they introduce. Yeah, yep. You're right. Okay. That that other guy, William Hurt, I think is Ross. Yeah, yeah, William. And Hurt. then he carries through to Civil War and shit. But right, he's the yeah, he's the only character from that Hulk that carries through. That's what I was thinking of. So uh, back to the good Marvel movie that we're talking about. <laughs> today. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I I will throw the haters a bone. The the comic book panel shit can get really out there. I, I wouldn't really consider this loathsome content, though. It, it's kind of like a noble failure. Um, I appreciate the attempt. I appreciate the ambition. I appreciate the the concept and theory. Literal like comic book panels and making them move on screen is it's ambitious. And uh, the fact that it was like done in a Hollywood Marvel movie it would never happen today. No, definitely not. It's yeah, it's an interesting visual language. It's something we will never see again. And, uh, yeah, as, as maybe hokey as it is, like, I don't know, like do something better than that. Yeah. Russo brothers, like try, like, yeah. I don't know, actually have your own visual language for once, as opposed to like, just trying to be like the born movies more or less. Like, or like look, like, look like they're shot in a mall or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And you, you did write that the opening credits are in comic sense, which is, which is true. Yep, Comic Sans font. But I guess it's a comic it's appropri- book, it's appropriate. so it's okay, right? Yeah. Uh, and guess. also, like, Comic Sans is a shitty font, but it's, like, it's the most normy, like, oh, I'm into typology, too, like, thing to say. It, it's just, like, something you put in your Tinder profile, like, I hate Comic Sans in the Oxford comma. Yeah, that's true. Actually, ProCon is pro ProCon is pro Comic <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's too spicy a take. Maybe we won't go there. Um, <laughs> So yeah, the the movie it, it's basically it's a pretty standard retelling of the Hulk origin, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's a, instead to, to of a the, point. Yeah, uh, I mean, so the original Hulk comics were written, I think, in like the sixties or seventies. Um, so like when he gets his powers, there's a, a literal atomic bomb that goes off, and it is in the desert too. Um, yeah, it is in the so desert. I, so I think that was like a nice melding. And another thing that I noticed before we actually get into the plot breakdown, um, I know the character David Banner was what the character was named in the Hulk TV show. Yeah, Bill and Bixby, he, he, yeah. Bill, the Bill Bixby version in the Lou Frigno, that was David Banner, not Bruce Banner. And he was kind of like a transient like bum. Like he, he would just like travel across the country hitchhiking. And that seemed like basically what the David Banner character in this movie was. So it, it it seems like a, yeah. a neat a neat like metatextual way of weaving the TV the the cultural memory of the TV show into this movie by making David Banner Bruce Banner's literal father. Yeah, I appreciated that. I'm not sure what his name is in the comics. I think it's Robert, but um, I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it's Robert, quote unquote, like Bruce is his nickname or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. The the point is that the Hulk char- the character that hulks out is Bruce Banner, and his father is David Banner, who is a crazy mad scientist. Yeah. Yeah. Played by Nick Nolte. Um, uh, funny side note. Uh, some of our, our listeners might remember when Nick Nolte was uh, pulled over for um, 
driving under the influence and uh there was a infamous mugshot of him yes. where he just looks yes. wild and out i mean we'll have to tweet crazy hair yeah um but it's actually because he did grow his hair out for this movie yes. um so he has like this kind of einstein like hair and <laughs> yeah. uh yeah he just got pulled over at the same exact time and his mugshot was just all over like news media for months so good yeah <laughs> so yeah the movie starts out we I think it starts out in the 60s, actually. It's kind of like yeah. contemporaneous mm-hmm. contemporaneous with the actual comic debut. Yeah, that is interesting. I did appreciate that, um, kind of a, a send-off to that. Um, obviously, they weren't probably going to do like a literal atomic bomb yes. in modern day because that would be kind of weird, wouldn't make yep. as much sense. Um, so they do have kind of that mushroom cloud atomic bomb uh, imagery in this like 60s uh, throwback scene. So. Mm-hmm. And they, they justify it by when when David gets shut down by the government for experimenting his like immortality, Im, like Im, invulnerability to injury serum. When he starts doing human, he introduces it to to son, his son Bruce. Um, that causes the government to try to shut him down. And when he makes the lab self destruct, that's what gives us the mushroom cloud. So they they still kind of get that visual reference in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, in this version, um, David Banner is a, is a military scientist who, like Nick just said, is trying to create some kind of like immortality serum because he's gone kind of batty, um, tests it on his own son, and then um, Thaddeus Ross, he, who is uh, here played by Sam Elliott. Oh, oh, actually, crucial, crucial plot point here. He doesn't test it on his son. He tests it on himself. That is crucially right. And then when his wife gets pregnant and has Bruce, he discovers that he is he through his genes have passed on the um the gamma magic blood or whatever to his son. Yeah, the gamma mutation onto his yeah. son. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then at some point he's like, No, I gotta kill my son. No, uh, yeah, yeah. He he tries to kill his son because um he wants to spare him the curse of the the gamma infusion mutation in his body. Um, which was which is an interesting metaphor because like the whole the whole curse of the Hulk in this movie is very much presented as like a monster born out of repression and grief, um, and I read that as like a father wanting to spare his son the agony of of living with with depression and with rage and everything, um, which which is a very human, completely unjustifiable but very human impulse. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, it, it is again kind of a throwback to the original comics. I mean, mm-hmm. what at first kind of, you know, put some distance between DC and Marvel. And this isn't something I came up with, but, you know, um, you know, most kind of academics of comic book literature would say that um, what separated Marvel from DC is that Marvel put human emotion and like human fears into comic books. They put these internal lives of their characters into comic books as opposed to just these external good guy versus bad guy, um, you know, conflicts. Um, so yeah, with, with, um, Bruce Banner, it was always, um, somewhat existential. Um, and then, you know, with characters like Spider-Man, it's, it's, um, like the anxiety of life, anxiety of life, of being a teenager, um, being working class, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting to see, we don't get it a lot in comic book movies anymore. Um, anytime they kind of start to do that, it just gets washed over by, just the action spectacle yeah and that's actually a concept that i that i wanted to put into our venom episode but there was really no room for it way back then um 
but the that idea of like separate existences like uh, that come from having a secret identity that the current Marvel movies don't really have because they, they do away with secret identities for the most part. Um, the the normal experience versus like the superhero experience experience and the way that they track and parallel parallel each other. Um, that kind of tension is what gives rise to a lot of the, these these emotional issues. Um, and th- this Marvel movie, this Hulk movie, is back when they kind of had more of the secret identity um, tradition still in these movies. Uh, not that the Hulk really has a secret identity, kind of, but his his split is is literalized in the transformation, which allows for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, from the flashback um, portion of the film, which is probably the first fifteen minutes or so, we go to present day. Uh, Bruce Banner, who uh, actually doesn't remember anything that's happened, um, he does. He actually isn't even called Bruce Banner at first. It's Bruce Krenzler, I think. It's like his adoptive parents' name. Bruce Ke- Kesniak, like the Unabomber. <laughs> 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 no, he even credit. acts like the Unabomber. Actually, he is. he's the Unabomber. Uh, big <laughs> fucking weirdo. Eric Bana is great. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. Um, yeah, his acting's a little, a little flat, but I think it totally works because he's like a depressed weirdo. Like he, he has like angry school shooter gamer energy, kind of. <laughs> he really um, Which is the Hulk in in a nutshell, kind of like it. The, the rage monsters just hiding behind this like nerd, you know. Yeah, I always appreciate when they have the Hulk, um, or at least his alter ego, Bruce Banner, not be charismatic, because uh, right. we see that with right. both the uh, Edward Norton film five years after this one, and then of course yeah. now uh, with Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. I mean, of course, if you're gonna if you're gonna you know hire someone like Mark Ruffalo, yeah, he's a charismatic dude. It's, sure. it's you know, sure. it's inevitable. But uh, Eric Bana, however. Not very charismatic. Uh, yeah, he's um. Also, he's Australian, so he's doing an American accent. So he really has to focus on that. I think right that might be a part of this as well. So it was weirdo Australians. Um, yeah. So at at, at this point, uh, Bruce is working. He's working at like MIT or something. Not MIT. Um, uh, Berkeley. Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah. The opposite coast entirely. Yeah. yeah. One, of those, <laughs> one of those one of those college things he works at. Uh, and he works with uh, Betsy Ross, um, as is tradition, his, his former love interest. Um, Her name is Betty Ross, though. Betty Ross. Not, yeah, who's, who's Betsy Ross? Is she the one that, is she the person that made the American flag? Yeah, ostensibly. Okay, that's why that's why I'm thinking like, that, yeah. The composite figure who, like, made the, yeah. I mean, who didn't like, exist. Yeah, yeah. Didn't exist. Didn't actually okay, make so the flag. Betty Ross, okay. Yeah, um, it's, close. it's close. Shout it's out close. to Colin Kaepernick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, shout out to Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> uh, and as for American flags, folks, burn them if you got them. Um, yep. <laughs> but yeah, Betty Ross is his former love interest and, and colleague. They're, they're partners on this gamma radiation um, experiment. Um, and she's the daughter of General Thunderbolt Elliot Ross, um, played by Sam Elliott. Thaddeus Ross. His name is Thaddeus Ross. But his nickname is Thunderbolts. Yeah, but you said Thunderbolt Elliot Ross. I'm just going to like not I'm just not going to try to remember these tertiary Marvel character names cuz I'm clearly misremembering. Them. <laughs> Get back to me if it's on DC. I'd probably have a better track record there. Oh, and also um good old good old Star-Spangled Betsy is played by Jennifer Connelly. I forgot to mention. Yes, that. Jennifer Connelly um who like from her first line, I feel like she was just told, okay, uh, you're going to be the adult version of Sarah from Labyrinth. Yeah, that I can, I can see that. I didn't even, because, I didn't like, even... It's, it's, 
it's a father-daughter conflict throughout the majority of this. Um, with a giant goblin involved. <laughs> with a giant goblin involved. <laughs> um, and, like, even her first line of dialogue is, like, she's like, I hate them. And that's, like, exactly what she says. In yes. In, like, I the first scene. She's like, I hate them. I hate my, my, my parents. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. But, that no, that tracks. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So she just, uh, like complains throughout this whole movie she's good though honestly like i i think it's a pretty decent character but um yeah she's she's not given all that much to work with i guess she has more agency than like the typical um current marvel like MC, like mcu female love interests i think i feel she actually does she, she actually impacts the plot to some degree yeah that's fair she does and yeah. and she she kind of like looks out for herself as well there's some decisions mm-hmm. she makes throughout so yeah yeah uh, the, the two other main uh, players here are uh, Nick Nolte playing uh, David David Banner, as we said earlier, and he's he's the really Unabomber character. He's just like, oh man, we'll get into him. We have some interesting thoughts on, on David, <laughs> um, and also Glenn Talbot, and who who plays him? The Josh Lucas. Josh Lucas. Yeah, I don't he, know who that is at all. Yeah, no he's a dweeby looking guy. He's the fail son of the movie. He plays um, this guy Talbot, who's. I don't know if he he's former military, but he's currently a defense contractor. I think that's right. Yeah, because I think he had previously worked with uh, Thunderbolt Ross because uh, Sarah yeah. and him had had a relationship. Not Sarah. Yes. Jesus Christ. Uh, Betty. Sarah. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Betsy, uh, not Sarah. Betty. Oh, I mean uh, Betty. <laughs> <laughs> Betty had a relationship with him. They yes. established that in the first scene between them. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, he became a defense contractor for... <laughs> Yes, this is great. The dumbest name, Atheon no, Corporation, that's the, that's, as opposed to Raytheon. But in two thousand three, that's that's a ballsy move to name the yeah. villainous corporation that in your movie. Yeah, for sure. It would have been interesting actually if they like had it be some version of like Halliburton because that is mm. that's Cheney's company, right? Dick Cheney's yeah. was Halliburton. Yeah, um, he could have worked I mean, for like Galliburton or something. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so he wants to actually take over the lab that they work at and use their, they're doing like this like nanobot uh, healing. stuff. Yeah, they're like, it's like healing and they want to use it for, I don't know, the common good. And he wants to use it for soldiers. super soldiers. Super soldiers. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have all our main players in place. And then of course there's a lab accident. Bruce, this is actually kind of heroic of him. He he saves his lab assistant from getting blasted with the gamma radiation. I don't know if that's a is that a part of his original origin story? Does he save somebody and and get the radiation? In his yeah, place? he does. Um, he saves a teenage boy who the character's name escapes me right now. But um, is it Rick this, Jones? It's Rick Jones. Hey, yes. I got one. I got a Marvel. <laughs> ding, a, ding, ding. I got a D-level, D-list Marvel character name. <laughs> yeah, Rick Jones, I believe, turns into the Blue Hulk eventually. No, he's the, the with the long green hair. No, uh, no, no, that's Doc Samson. Okay, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Rick Jones is a teenager. Him and, like, his friends are, like, uh, in the original comic, they're, like, just hanging out on the base and then, like, they don't know <laughs> that do. there's a giant fucking, like, uh, nuke about to go off. So Bruce Banner, like, he ushers them out, but he he's not able to get out of the blast radius in time. Sure. Okay. So, yeah, th- this character is not Rick Jones. He's just some random asshole who we literally never see again in this movie. 
so yeah, Bruce gets blessed with the gamma radiation. Um, Betty says like, oh, you, you should be dead. But Bruce is like, oh, I'm, I feel great. My bum knee is better. I, I feel young and everything. And um, how does he transform first? He There's a few scenes between the gamma accident in the lab and then the transformation scene. So right. we're at this point uh, introduced to Nick Nolte's character, um, as oh, yeah, he, he's he's the janitor in the lab, <laughs> and and he brings his dogs to work with him. Yeah, the, the infamous Hulk dogs. dogs. Yeah. Um, okay, just just to nip this in the bud, they're they're fine. It's it's a great goofy like <laughs> crazy character bit. It, they're like his henchmen, and he like talks to them, and he he's, gets weird psycho energy, and it very much fits for a comic book movie. Yeah, and it's great because he works as the janitor at. A national lab well no it's it's a it's a state lab because it's yeah. i think it's uc berkeley's yeah. lab and like he's just allowed to have dogs like and three, they didn't do not like just one. three dogs <laughs> and they didn't do any background check on him they don't know he's actually a fucking mad scientist well if the the implication that i got from that because like when betty confront she doesn't confront him but she's like oh where's the usual guy and uh david's like he's dead on the replacement <laughs> just like yeah i think i think the implication is he either killed the janitor or just like stole his jobs because he's been stalking bruce yeah i figured that as much um and it's very comic booky you know yeah. I'm, I'm not knocking it for that it's just kind of fucking hilarious um <laughs> but yeah so there's actually a scene between um betty and her father mm-hmm. at a restaurant um, and they're talking about Bruce's past, or at least Ross is like, hey, I know some stuff about Bruce that you don't know. Right. Um, and this is actually an interesting scene, too, because not only is it the first scene between Betty and her father, but there's some interesting choices here, some interesting editing choices and, and shooting choices. Um, a lot of the times in a scene uh, of dialogue, um, there's something called the 180-degree rule, Mm-hmm. Um, and this is our term for the episode. Yep. Um, there's like this invisible axis that's between two characters in a scene. And generally you want to have your camera to stay on the same side when you're cutting back and forth. So, you know, you maybe have your camera at a 45 degree angle facing either person. The person on the right is always going to be situated on the right. The person on the left is always going to be situated on the left. It's not going to jump around. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're not going to go on the other side of the invisible axis. But uh, with this scene, actually, they do go on the other side of the axis um, fairly often. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, and it's 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 a nice way to just convey the sense of like awkwardness and anxiety between them. Um, you know, they said they hadn't seen each other in a while and then he's giving her this or trying to give her, you know, these tidbits information about like her former love interest, this guy who like just got hit by, uh, these gamma rays. But to answer your question, why he changes and how he changes for the first time, he's in the hospital, which I think is like even a part of the lab. Um, it's in the same building. Same, yeah. Same complex or whatever. Yeah. Um, Betty leaves a voicemail uh, for right. him and she's like, oh, my dad, he's like suspicious of you for some reason. And this this was also after uh, David confronts him in the middle of the night. Yep. Remember, yep. He, he's like, oh, you're my son and you have the monster inside of you. Radiation, my curse. <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was interesting that, you know, you have those two scenes. You have the David confrontation and then you have this, this, um, this other kind of, you know, 
secondary confrontation that he hears through this voicemail. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're a great encapsulation of like the the what fuels the Hulk's rage in this film. So you got the familial trauma with his father. Mm-hmm. You have like this personal failure, which is like between him and Betty and how their relationship couldn't work out. Um, you have, I think in this film, more than the other Hulk films, like you, you get that um, he like genuinely has this passion for science and like doing good with science. Yes. yes. Um, so in this scene as well, you get, um, you know, him, these two scenes at least, like they, they have um, these individuals who like, are the misuses of science um, for their in own individual gain or like for military gain. It's an interesting look and like synthesis of, of the Hulk's anger throughout the years and throughout the comics. Yeah. Um, you, you obviously know more about Hulk in the comics than I did, but um, one of my disappointments in the, the current MCU versions of the Hulk, um, it, it almost seems like he just reacts he he turns into the Hulk when he gets pissed off and like that's it. One of the benefits of developing the backstory that this movie does um, is it gives like a very relatable reason for why he gets pissed and for why he even has anger issues. Um, where that rage comes from, it comes from his repression, his literal his literal repressed memories and his repressed emotions. Th- this is the mo- most compelling I've ever really found the Hulk in in most adaptations I can even think of. I, I haven't really read many of the comics, but he he's just. He's got a lot more going on. He, he, in the sense that, like, he has like emotions roiling and un- underneath his like Hulk, Hulk exterior. So yeah, I don't know. He, for the first time in like that, I can really think of in in most like depictions of the Hulk, I found him very relatable. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean the comics. Um, some of what's in this film does track with the comics. Sure. I believe his father is actually abusive uh, in the sure. comic books. And that that does uh, inform uh, his his rage and, and like you said that repressed uh, anxiety and um, and anger. And um, one more quick note: isn't isn't uh, he canonically like a, la- a Catholic or lapsed Catholic? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, I think he is. There's a cool little thing we'll put in the show notes. It's this compilation, this database of like all the the religious affiliations of all various superheroes. It's very fascinating um, little document if you're if you're into that kind of thing. But I think when I had originally shared that with you. Bruce Banner is listed as a Catholic character um, and that sense of like repression really tracks along those lines too, which I know we can both relate to. Hell fucking yeah. <laughs> Listen, Pope Francis, excommunicate us. Excommun- we, we need, a, we need to be, Procon needs to be, or receive an official censor from the, from the <laughs> Bishop of Rome. Um, so yeah, he hulks out in response to that kind of like that swirling vortex of of different stimu- of different anger stimulus. He hulks out in the in the hospital. He escapes. Um, he he runs off to find Betty, who had she's just like at some in some cabin that she owns. Well, actually, in this scene is when he um, he destroys his lab. Right, he destroys his lab out of like anger that th- these things created him. I guess. Yeah, these things created him, and that there's individuals who want to, you know, want to abuse it. Yeah, and um, also, also related to Betty at her at her like her her log cabin is um, Nick Nolte had sent his three dogs out to find her. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and he, he hulked out his dogs, so there we have a, a poodle Hulk and like <laughs> and yeah, two other like, dogs. Uh, I think one is 
maybe a pit bull and i i think a the other dog's not actually yeah. like yeah I, yeah maybe a mastiff that's is the is the pit bull one the one that has like the giant mouth i guess would that be would you say that's the one that's the pit bull uh one of the weak links of this movie that we didn't touch on earlier is that the cgi is a little dated um yeah especially with the fight scenes uh the, especially the, dog, the dogs yeah, yeah the dogs are kind the dog of very ill-defined <laughs> hulk hulk himself doesn't look bad um he definitely does look better than 2008, which is kind of crazy to me. Um, but yeah, the, the dogs are kind of just... I, I couldn't really keep track of them outside of like the fluffy hair and the poodle. Yeah, the the, the two other dogs look fairly similar, actually. Yeah. Um, and there are some scenes in between that and and the, the dog fight, but really it's just kind of some expos getting yeah. us to that moment. Um, just, you know, Ross... Uh, Thaddeus Ross is just, you know, more suspicious of him. They think actually uh, Bruce Banner destroyed the lab himself because right. uh, well, his I mean, he wallet did. fell out. Well, he did, <laughs> right. Yeah, but they think, they, did, they don't know he turned to a monster and did it. Like, they yeah. just think, like, uh, he had some other ulterior motive, basically. Oh, and I also guess Talbot had approached them trying to buy their research, but they said, like, fuck off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, they, the military actually takes control of the lab yeah. at that point and then it's implied that like talbot's company atheon is going to take over even from there yeah so the, the dog fight is kind of interesting he um you have here that it, it's kind of like a cujo reference which is true that, that's a good that's a good reference yeah the poodle is like the poodle does nothing throughout this whole fight scene the poodle is yes. just like attacking the car yes um and it's very very cujo-esque because uh, jennifer Connolly and uh uh, Hulk actually confronts her at the cabin. I'm not even sure if he knows that the dogs are gonna like attack her in that moment. No, he he gets to the cabin first, and they're kind of like yeah. having like a uh, oh, meet the monster moment, and then the dogs yeah. attack. Yeah, so he actually like he puts her on top of the car, so that they're kind of at eye level. Yep. And then he hears the dogs, so he like quickly puts her in the car. Yep. Um, and then yeah, the. The poodle dog kind of focuses on her and the car, while the mastiff and the and the pit bull um, attack him. Uh, it's it's an interesting fight, I think. In general, the action sequences in this film are great. Uh, as much as I do agree with Nick that the the CGI is kind of crappy in in this specific scene, um, it, it benefits by being uh, a night scene. Yes, uh, the first few yes. uh, Hulk instances are at night. And concurrent with the with the dogfight, um, David Banner douses himself with gamma radiation to get his own powers, um, because his yeah. he, he he has the same mutation that that Bruce does, but um, it manifests differently because I I believe he he makes a mention like my my genes are more unstable than Bruce's were. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess because he was like the first generation of the test, and the test right. was administered to him. Right. Uh, well, he administered to himself, um, but yeah, Bruce is born with it. Yeah, so maybe that's why it's 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 more settled. We we are butchering science here, but like maybe his genes are, are more. Ta- we are scientists. Yes, yeah. this is Mar- this is Marvel mo- mo- uh, science, so it tracks. Yeah, um, we know yeah, as he- much about science as everyone involved in this movie, <laughs> yes. except one person who we'll talk about later. Oh, true, very true. Um, so yeah, David becomes essentially the absorbent man who's who's a great Hulk villain um, because you can't really beat him just by like punching him. Um, a basically absorbent man can like 
absorb the properties of any material he touches and that becomes his body yeah interesting character um he's actually in uh well there's actually two characters from this show who are in the agents of shield um show there's uh talbot general talbot okay is in agents of shield um played by adrian pazdar who is in heroes Okay. <laughs> uh, he was, this, this. Yeah, he was like the senator character who could fly okay. in the show Heroes. Okay. Um, and then Absorbing Man is in at least one or two seasons of Agents of Shield, and he's he's closer to his actual comic book origin, like a ex boxer who gets involved with like gangs and uh, is kind of like a almost a hired gun. Is his name Crusher Creel? Crusher Creel, yeah. See for Man, e- okay. for every for every, D- <laughs> T- for every for every D tier Marvel character, I forget. There's one that I remember. <laughs> yeah, and he's actually um, a, a main character in uh, one of the better like uh, one shot, not one shot, but like um, mini series uh, in in comics or books right now. Actually, recently canceled, but um, Black Bolt. Okay. The uh, the Black Bolt series by uh, Saladin Ahmed uh, had. Black Bolt in like a, a space jail, mm. and he meets Crusher Creel there as well. So check it out, folks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to the the movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Nick Nolte becomes Absorbing Man uh, at the same time as the dogfight. Um, I should also say the dogfight is interesting because it has a lot of references to other films, even other Ang Lee films. Like there's a scene where they're jumping around in like it's. It, I guess it takes place in like the redwood forest yeah it's like they're gigantic trees yeah they're pretty big trees and i guess that's still california so like that yeah it's plausible yeah um but there's a scene where like uh the hulk and the dogs like jump pretty high up into the trees and it's like very like crouching tiger-esque um and crouching tiger came out like right before this was actually the film he did right before hulk was crouching Mm -hmm. tiger yeah um and then there's uh when hulk kills he actually brutally kills all the dogs like (laughs) Yeah, he's, he's pretty ruthless with them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're trying to kill him. I mean, like, yeah. and, and they're not humans, I guess, so that doesn't break like the superhero no kill rule, right? But like, I think for a lot of people who are like maybe squeamish against like violence against animals, I think yeah, it he, would be tough to watch this scene. It, it helps that they're CGI monstrosities that look fake. That makes it easier yeah. to watch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But like, he rips one's like jaw in half like the way king kong rips the t-rex and then like it puffs into green smoke like a video game enemy yeah yeah so that helps (laughs) too they They all puff into green smoke (laughs) at the end yeah he doesn't do like the the i always loved in the original king kong when he rips the final t-rex's jaw he like plays with the broken jaw Ooh, nice yeah he like he's like oh how does this work how does the jaw work (laughs) but here no it just puffs away so he can't do that yeah, so then um, he he de-hulks, he becomes um, Bruce again, and he's obviously shaken up by this. Um, but at the same time, he admits that he loves it. He's like, I love the freedom, I love the power. Uh, when he's talking to Betty, he's like, I, I love having having this agency that like I don't have in my real life. Um, it's it's unleashing all my repression, which is probably how any person would feel if they turned into the Hulk. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's why a lot of nerds love the hulk right i mean it is your id basically Mm -hmm. you're able to just live out that kind of power fantasy Mm -hmm. 
yeah for me like i remember that's i think that's why i really loved the hulk as a kid because i was just like a nerd loser i think that's why i liked werewolves as well yes yes you get to like turn into this thing you don't actually have control over your consciousness (laughs) and he's just like you could just do terrible shit you are the werewolf half of Procon. I'm the vampire half of Procon. So when we <laughs> when we do the um the underworld movies, we'll we'll, we'll have to stand our respective teams. Oh my god! Or the Twilight yes. movies, even either one. Yes. just oh, incredible! Can't wait. So yeah, actually, and then the next plot point I thought was really interesting. Betty sells him out to her father. Um, yeah, I mean, and and to be fair to her, it's pretty understandable. I, I think any just as any adult would go hog wild with the Hulk's powers, any adult. Any rational adult, if they thought about it for like five seconds, if they knew the person who was the Hulk, they would probably contact the authorities, even for that person's own safety, which which is her motivation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you and I wouldn't because we're leftists and we don't trust the government. But if you're not, like yes. if you're a military brat and you like just trust the government and you trust that like your father's going to do the right thing, mm-hmm. then yeah, I mean, it's totally understandable. Um, yeah. And I, I agree. I think it is like a really interesting uh, character beat for, for, for Betty. Yeah, I, I guess I should say it, it's, it's, it's a very understandable reaction that any person like when confronted with that kind of terror would like respond that way. Um, yeah. So yeah, and then and then Hulk, uh, not Hulk, uh, Bruce gets he gets uh, tranquilized and he gets brought into um, the secret base beneath his desert hometown where all, where all the all the all the Nick Nolte drama happened in the sixties. Um, and the, the the military base is actually really interesting the way it was introduced. Um, there's a ton of those comic book panels and like zooming zooming transitions and edits and everything, but then they give us a literal mini map of the of the base, like the the schematics of it. And there's one cool shot. It's it's the diagonal moving elevator that goes down. It reminded me very much of like Akira or like Evangelion, like this gigantic underground base. And it, it very effectively like grounds the action and very effectively gives you a sense of the of the space that all this action is going to take place in. Um, and it felt much more like like even though it's like it's an absurd fantasy creation, it felt much more like a real place than like the airport fight scene in Civil War, for example. Yeah, I agree. No, they did a good job of of establishing all of that. Um, Yeah, so then the Hulk is put in, well, first he's tortured a little bit by Glenn Talbot. Uh, Oh, yeah, they, Felson, Glenn Talbot um, takes over the operation and he wants to turn Bruce into the Hulk. Yeah, he wants to turn Bruce into Hulk so he can get like a, a, his pound of flesh, basically, yes. uh, to do some kind of experiment. Shakespearean. There's that Shakespearean quote that uh, that Angley told all the actors. That's how he saw. I, I, I kept seeing that. Like, I think Jennifer Connelly and Sam Elliott. No, Jennifer Connelly and Nick Nolte both said like they didn't want to do the movie until Angley described it as like a Shakespearean drama. Yeah, that's the way. Um, both him and the. Uh, writer of this uh whose last name is Seamus I'm not sure if his first name is James or Sean um but yeah they they describe it a lot as like Shakespearean or you know like Greek tragedies and you know it comes out I see it not unwarranted but um I generally kind of dislike those like middle brow uh, equivocations with superhero media but it it does come through in this one in this movie more so than usual yeah yeah I'll allow it this time um so yeah, Glenn is like he has a cattle prod, and he's yeah. just like, he's like, oh, "Come on, you get angry, get angry." Yeah. Um, but Bruce is like, "No, I'll never do it." And then he just he knocks Bruce out, and he's like, "Well, we'll see if you'll do it when you're subcon in your subconscious." Right. And he puts him in like this uh, tank. It's like water tank, and they he has a dream about 
his parents and i think this is when he realizes oh no it's after it's after this scene that he realizes that his father killed his mother no that was before this this was when betty this is when um general ross was still in control of the hulk and he lets betty take him on a walk on the top side in the in the abandoned town where they used to live and they examine oh right that does happen they, they check out uh, bruce's old house and opening the door behind which his mother was killed um yeah, yeah. unlocks the memory of of his dad accidentally killing his mom when his dad had been trying to kill Bruce. Right. Okay. So that kind of unlocks the memory, but we don't see the memory play out until he's in yes. the tank. I believe. So I believe when he's in the yeah. tank, he's having like this nightmare and yeah, we figure out. So yeah, in that scene with uh, Betty, we figure out, okay, something bad happened in that room. Yep. And then when he's in the tank, he, we actually see that memory play out. His dad gets a knife goes to stab bruce yep. but uh his wife uh edith trips him sort of the, and the knife goes in her chest yeah the, the point is she she dies accidentally during david's attempt to kill bruce yeah. which which is a fairly shakespearean too yeah so yeah um talbot does trigger the hulk transformation um and of course the the facility can't contain the hulk so the hulk starts to break free and breaks free of the tank and the, the sleeping gas that they try to knock him out with doesn't work. The conventional firearms don't work. The tranquilizers don't work. So they use, like, foam. Like, the, the military... Oh, yeah, and this is an interesting bit. Um, Talbot usurps control from uh, Ross. And he's like, oh, my, my private contract... My private security Blackwater guys can handle it. And they shoot, like, foam at him to try to restrain him. The Hulk from moving. Yeah. And then another interesting aspect of... Um, this scene and just like this movie in general and this this adaptation of the Hulk is that the Hulk grows as he gets angrier. Yes. So he grows bigger. Which I, um, I like that. I like that yeah. concept. Yeah, I, I've really never seen it before. I'm not sure they did it at some point in the comics. But uh, yeah, that's actually how he gets out of the foam. They spray the foam and then right. Talbot comes with like this giant like drill gun to like drill yeah, through his yeah. forehead. Yeah. And uh, and then the Hulk gets angrier, so he grows, and his and his body breaks free of the foam that had already solidified right. at this point. Um, and as as he's in the process of breaking free, all, all the security guards run away. But Talbot's like, "Give me a grenade! Give me a grenade!" And he grabs one of the he grabs one of the grenade launchers from a fleeing security guard, and he's like, "I'm gonna kill you, you son of a bitch!" And he tries to shoot the Hulk with a grenade, but in the most fail son possible, like in the most <laughs> fail son death possible. The grenade bounces off the Hulk's skin and ricochets back and lands in the wall right behind, Tal- like five feet right behind Talbot. And when it blows up, he dies. Yeah, it's kind of an unceremonious death too. It's one of it's the amazing. funny. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 one of the funny like comic book transitions too. Yes. So like, uh, there's this giant explosion behind him. He like jumps forward. It's a it's a freeze frame on that. And he gets out, uh, his body gets outlined in white. Yeah, his body gets outlined in white, and then the flames like engulf him, and then it transitions to, to basically the next shot. Yeah, and then we never hear about him again. Nope. Like it's just like he's fucking dead. Nobody Who cares because he's a fail son. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Hulk. Bra- they they actually let Hulk out because they they want to fight him in the open ground where it's less dangerous for people, which which makes sense. Yeah, and this precipitates basically the rest of the movie which is more or less just a fight scene an extended chase slash fight scene yeah um i remember a lot of people myself included and some of my classmates you know talking around the lunch table about this film and we were really pissed off because like the hulk didn't really fight 
one of his classic villains right. in this film. Now, as we say, he 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 does fight absorbing man, but in a manner um, of speaking, in a manner of speaking, whereas the majority of the film or the majority of the fight scenes in this film, he's fighting these dogs who actually they are in the comic books. The dogs are in the comic oh, really? books, but okay. like, yeah, I th- some 90 nineties sure. iteration, I think. Sure. Um, but then, yeah, he's mostly fighting the military. But that makes, that makes him like Antifa basically. He's like, he's <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, uh, this movie came out in 2003, mm-hmm. summer of 2003. Um, you know, the invasion of Iraq yeah, started in March of 2003. Yeah. So it's pretty fucking crazy to have, uh, this giant green guy just like yep. fucking own yep. the U.S. military for like 45 minutes of a movie. Yep. Whereas like most movies, if you get some kind of, you know, military support, you generally have to like show the military in a positive light. And I feel like this movie doesn't at all. Yeah. I mean, for Christ's sake, like the MCU does get funding from like most Hollywood movies get funding from the military. Most Hollywood films um, do. Yeah. And I mean, to to be fair, I wouldn't be surprised. If it's, I wouldn't be surprised if this one does too. But at least in the delivery of of the story, like the military sucks in this, in this movie. Yeah, the military uh, really sucks. And you know, it's interesting too because I was reading that this film um, had a sixty nine percent. Oh yeah, nice, uh, nice drop off between the box office of its opening weekend and its second weekend after release. Um, that's a pretty drastic drop off. Yeah. For like a, a summer blockbuster type for a too. summer blockbuster. And I, I've, I've read some stuff and some people think it is because the military is portrayed in a fairly negative light. Whereas, you know, we were in a fairly jingoistic period in, in American politics. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, not that we aren't now, but like not that we aren't now, but like I, I know, think it, I th- two years prior there was a for, terrorist for, attack that for our young made my parents put a giant fucking flagpole in their yard. <laughs> yeah, I mean for, for our younger listeners, um, not that I was like especially politically aware in two thousand three, but I was alive and um, everything that I know that I've heard of like the politics of that era versus the politics of today, um, it was a lot more blatant than um, the 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 Bush era patriotism was like ubiquitous um, at the time. Whereas at, at, not to say that there, it isn't now, but there, I think more people are kind of like more jaded about it now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just, like I said, uh, right after nine 11, like my parents put yep. this giant flagpole in our yard. Yep. Um, I mean, and, and they were like banning, they were like banning songs from the radio, like anti-American yeah. songs were like banned from like, radio playlist which um I'm, I'm sure some of that goes on to, the, to some degree now but like it just people just ate it up a lot of people yeah. just ate it up back then oh for sure and that was when people started putting like those little flags on their cars you would clip those flags to like your the like frame of your doors right you know those flags right yeah. right right and uh, everyone had like little never forget stickers or like things yeah. on their on their desktops or whatever yeah i uh, know yeah. just weird time and in, in a weird context to give birth to such a comparatively anti-military film yeah um so yeah this is just a big um like nick said chase slash fight scene between um at first it's hulk versus like three tanks four tanks four tanks he does like the spin move on one of them where he like he holds it from the barrel and he just like pivots and spins around and then throws it i actually really like that because um the 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 kind of dated cgi uh notwithstanding 
his movements are very like believable. The Hulk's yeah. movements, like like after Definitely. he throws it, he's kind of like he's kind of like dizzy for a second, and um, the, it holds the shot, which is always nice in these kind of movies. Like the the shot holds for a good like ten seconds, and you see the tank fire flying far, 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 far in the background, and then it hits. And like it, it still kind of rolls down, and they still hold the shot. It, it was just like a decent, a decent image for for like a, a superhero minor action beat. Yeah, no, there's a lot of um, shots in in both this fight and then the next fight with um, some helicopters. Yeah. Where yeah, sh- shots are held way longer than really even you know contemporaneous films yep uh not very common after like 80s action cinema for a shot to be held more than like a second or a split second (laughs) and and this is um this is kind of obvious i feel but like a a lot of that tendency i think comes out to to mask poor action um cutting frequently is an effective way to like disguise just shitty choreography or whatever yeah especially with the new mcu films i'm sorry folks but like avengers end game Avengers Infinity Wars like yeah. just some of the worst fucking action I've ever seen which is crazy because uh I feel um Winter Soldier had some really amazing action and yeah. choreography in it which which the kind of the drop off is is kind of stunning um yeah it definitely holds up I've I've watched Winter Soldier a few times since I saw it in theaters and it, it holds up and as always I'm going to stand for Guardians of the Galaxy 2 yes. um the best yes. action of any of the MCU films agreed um, so back to this movie, back to the Hulk. <laughs> um, yeah, he he eventually makes his way to San Francisco after the military like destroys like million year old rock formations in the desert. Where, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Beautiful, irreplaceable <laughs> biomes. They they just like completely turn them to like charred rubble. Because they he kind of goes from like more of a what would most people would say would probably be like an Arizona desert to then sure. like a Utah desert. Um, yeah, there, there's some it's, nice. Ver- it's really strange. But, but, but there's nice variation because I, I get the sense that he he's literally like leaping halfway across the country on his way to yeah. San Francisco, yeah. Um, which the Hulk can do and which actually tracks. He gets to the Golden Gate Bridge and he's standing on top of it, kind of like King Kong. And then a jet plane goes to shoot him, misses, has to like do a barrel roll, and is about to crash into the bridge when the Hulk jumps on the plane and makes it dip down beneath the bridge and he saves the bridge from being destroyed. And then General Ross orders the jet to take him up to space so that he like suffocates yeah. or something. Um, and th- I found this like terrifying the sequence because the pilot's like, I-, I I have to like I have to kill my ascent. I have to kill my ascent like because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pass out too. And Ross is ordering him like, no, just like you'll you'll be fine, you'll be fine. Just like he'll pass out before you do, which of course doesn't happen. Uh, and then the jet essentially blasts off into space and just drifts away into space. In the in, in like that, the implication is like that pilot dies while the Hulk yeah. falls back to Earth. That that was like re- I don't know something about it was just really creepy to me, and just like that like that's that's it for that pilot. He just floats off into space and dies, but the Hulk doesn't, of course. Yeah, I think this film is just not afraid to show that like there are repercussions of these fights that yes. like people will die because of these fights. You know, yeah, um, and yeah, I, I agree. Like I think that pilot, yeah. It's it's not packaged in a bow like oh he he you know uses his parachute no, no it's like I don't I think he's he, just gone he's a, he's a satellite now yeah. um so yeah Hulk falls back to Earth and then he he's kind of rampaging through the streets of San Francisco he he goes through like the sewer yeah <laughs> he's <laughs> underground <laughs> he swims because he, he he falls back into the water and they try to blow him up uh, of course they don't but then like 
it, it cuts to a random street in San Francisco, and then he just the the grounds all crack in, and then he bursts out of like a pipe. It's good. Yeah, and then they have like their helicopters, and they have like local police, they have state police, they have yeah. like FBI, they have the SWAT, SWAT team, yeah, everything. military, everybody just like these hundreds and hundreds of armed forces like pointing guns at Hulk like in you know downtown San Francisco it reminded me of Blues Brothers yeah the end of the Blues Brothers all pointing their guns at the Blues Brothers um but then they Ross uses Betty to to touch Bruce's human soul and, and make him transform back yeah he transforms back and it's interesting like he's it's like he melts back into yeah. Bruce Banner. Yeah, like yeah, there's, yeah. he's just like, or he's like sweating profusely. Like it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting visual. It's, it's yeah, I don't know. It's, it's almost like he's born or something. Like he, he's reborn. Yeah, I don't know really. Kind of... I've never seen a, the the like that transformation sequence um, done in, in such an interesting way before. Yeah. So kudos. Oh, also kind of intercut with this whole fight scene. Uh, David Banner had been arrested. He he willingly gave himself up to the to the authorities because he wants to see Bruce again. Right. Yeah. 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 They they storm his compound. Yeah. He lives. And then and then after they have um, Bruce in custody, they arrange a meeting between Bruce and David. Um, but they're both they Bruce is hooked up to this giant electrical generator, and they're like, "Oh, if he does anything, we'll, we'll zap him." And then so David is left alone with Bruce in like this giant hangar bay. Um, and it's kind of really interesting. It's, it's another great set. It's it's like it's almost set up like a like a stage, like a theater stage. Yeah, kind of like a black box theater, basically. Yeah, it's really interesting. Which really heightens that Shakespearean angle that we've been harping on. Um, but it's like this shaggy-haired, crazy father yelling at his his like emotionally torn up son, and then <laughs> they they basically say they hate each other and like they both wish they were dead and all all this stuff. And then and then David goes into this like kind of anarcho-primitivist rant against like yeah, it's incredible governments and structures and in lesser beings and stuff um and he's like give me your power i want to observe your power that's why i want to see you i want to see my real son the hulk he's my real son and then he grabs one of the thick black cables on the ground and he bites into it and for some reason general russ is like zap him with power yeah, right now yeah, it's so strange i was like wait i thought you were gonna zap bruce if he did something why are you just gonna zap this dude i guess you know gotta get rid of him too he sucks whatever yeah maybe he thought like he was trying to break like release bruce because like they were kind of far away yeah, yeah i don't know whatever but the point That's is strange he, uh absorbing man absorbs like the entire energy output of san francisco and he becomes essentially the hulk villain zax which is like a living bolt of yeah. electricity yeah and then from there he he basically is absorbing man again because he's right he just absorbs other powers actually there's an the interesting uh immediate scene after this or the immediate shots after this are the hulk and zacks slash absorbing man slash david banner like fighting in the clouds basically that was really fascinating yeah. it, it, it becomes like a, like a bolt of lightning and he's just like there's these like little projections of them fighting in the clouds it looks like an alex ross painting or something like like some kind of like renaissance themed of like some kind of like renaissance art piece of like um and, and i got the sense also when when hulk was fighting uh david when he was part of the earth and when he was the lake when they yeah. land mm-hmm. it, it, it was like the titans fighting like the primordial deities of greek myth um like the like the the literally the thing that fathered him is now like this elemental force of like the earth itself 
and then the earth had given birth to this monster which is fighting back against it no definitely it leans into like the greek tragedy and greek mythology elements in in, in this sequence mm-hmm. um the cgi is pretty good too i liked you know, it, I it, it, yeah. it it's inventive it's it's an inventive sequence and it has inventive imagery to go along with it they go to this lake i think it's called like pear lake um sure. i'm not sure if that's a real lake whatever but that's what the subtitles said because uh, i was like what the fuck what lake yeah, excuse yeah. me uh, pear like pear, the fruit but, yeah like the fruit that's mm, maybe the maybe said at least maybe that's like a uh, kind of like a skewed reference to like the garden of eden like the the fruit that gave man knowledge maybe uh, or maybe it's an actual lake in california okay, who gives shit? <laughs> uh, but yeah so they go into pear lake and uh David Banner, Absorbing Man, is, like, trying to drown uh, Hulk and, like, take his power. He's like, give me your power. Give me your power. And Hulk's like, fine, take it. Like, have it. Um, And then it's actually too overwhelming for David. And he's like, no, it's too much. I don't want to take it back. And And this is really interesting. Oh, yeah, go ahead. And also, I I think he not only absorbed Hulk's power, I think um, he absorbs Hulk's pain along with it. And and, and that, as much as the power is what killed what he couldn't handle and what what defeated him right yeah no because there is the shot that like goes into hulk's eye and then it's kind of like the neurons in his brain and you see these like Mm -hmm. these flashes of memory from childhood and such um and then that and then actually the lake like bubbles up to form like this giant globe that again is actually projecting images into it and it's mostly images of this like this you know this family trauma i was thinking like the like it became almost like this primordial soup that david returned to like he yeah. he he just regressed when he rejected hulk's power and when he, when he rejected his son's pain he just regressed into like the the most basic elements of, of existence yeah definitely um so yeah then they just nuke him they shoot a nuke yeah and then uh <laughs> they they nuke him um bruce's bruce and david are both presumed dead um I guess we, we the the viewer can confirm that David's dead. Um, yeah, I think David's dead. But um, Bruce is assumed dead by Ross and Betty, and uh, we get a, a one year later jump. Um, Ross and Betty they have a final kind of denouement conversation, maintaining their their antipathy towards each other, but they they have some measure of peace. Also, one one other quick thing that I noticed that it, this is kind of obvious, but there's there's definitely a parallel between the father figures here. Ross and mm-hmm. Ross versus yeah. David and their respective relationships relationships with their kids, very clear parallels. But it, again, it's it's appreciated that the the secondary characters, other than the main character, like have this web of relationships that tracks throughout the movie. Yeah, definitely. You know, they're all they're all given you know pretty fleshed out inner lives. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's it's appreciated. Um, but then the best part of this film or i don't know the worst i actually really don't like this sequence uh it's it's the last scene of the film it takes place somewhere in south america we see this uh guy giving medicine to like these natives uh and he's like here yeah this medicine for your kid and like there's these government forces come and they're like hey these people are rebels don't give them any medicine and then the doctor guy is of course bruce banner and then he says in spanish like don't make me angry you don't you wouldn't like me if i'm angry so you know what um bruce banner is canceled because he he supports contras that's (laughs) that's what he's doing he's giving aid to the contras um in in south america And he has a frog on his hat, which is really weird. Yeah, he has this fucking tree frog on his hat. I hate that. Very, so very prominent and very 
odd. And then it just uh, it pans up. It's this like eagle eye view of like the rainforest canopy, and then it just it fades to green. <laughs> but I, I did like the view of the tree, of the tree forest canopy because it kind of looked like the skin of like the lizards that the, that was a prominent like visual touchstone throughout the earlier sequences of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it looked like the, the lichen that the Hulk was like staring at when he was like meditating on the desert and everything. Yeah, yeah, those macro shots yeah. of like the lichen. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, there there is some um, again, there are some uh, visual uh, you know consistencies yeah. throughout this film. Um, stuff I think probably a lot of people were pissed off about, um, like those macro shots of like lichen on trees and that stuff's great. That, that's like stuff. yeah, it's it's that kind of stuff that gives this movie more of a more of an author like more of an authorial like voice like it gives it 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 elevates it some beyond something other than just like a copy and paste marvel mcu movie yeah no i agree but yeah that's uh that's the movie that's uh the 2003 hulk we don't have much for workers of note again with hollywood blockbusters it's either you do everybody or you do like two people uh (laughs) i I think that's actually a good like uh uh, template moving forward like with these kind of gigantic budget movies there's only like one or two interesting people um whereas with like smaller projects we can actually focus on like whole teams yeah Exactly. Um, so for this one, we want to highlight uh, Tim Squires, who is the editor. Um, you know, I, I think he got a lot of flack for his editorial choices with the the split screens and the comic book panels. It's inspired. It, it doesn't always work, inspired. but it is inspired. Yeah. So um, an interesting side note with him. Uh, he was an editor of uh, some TV documentary that was oh made God. in 1991 oh called Trump what's the deal about Donald Trump. Um, But for some reason, this TV documentary wasn't released until 2015. It's the deep state suppressing it, man. (laughs) Of course. Q, Q's an unlisted producer in that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Where we go one, we go all, folks. The other worker of note here we have is uh, Jane Lynn, who is Ang Lee's wife, um, because she she must have been some kind of story consultant, uh, production consultant. Because apparently much of the microbiology microbiology work um, that's depicted on screen in various like images of notes and, and graphs and figures is actually real to some degree. So yeah, apparently she's a microbiologist. So she's not just Ang Lee's wife; she's a microbiologist, folks. And this movie, just by virtue of that alone, has more scientific uh, fidelity than like any other Marvel movie. <laughs> just by yeah. that one. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, closing thoughts. Um, what do you got for our broke woke bespoke recommendation? All right. So for our broke recommendation, um, folks should check this movie out because an actor like Nick Nolte, given his age and just like what his face looks like, yes. uh, to do some phrenology here, <laughs> um, like you would think he's a MAGA chud, you know, yes. like he looks a lot like Gary Busey yep. and you'd think like, he does oh, look like Gary Busey. <laughs> yeah. He really does. He's like, he's like the, the, the Chad version of Gary, Busey. Gary, the virgin Gary Busey and the Chad Nick Nolte. <laughs> Uh, but he's actually not a chud. He actually um, has a story of like meeting Donald Trump once and like Donald Trump ran his finger through Nick Nolte's like hair, which at the time was like flowing gold. Holy shit. And like, oh, nice hair you got. And then like Nick Nolte did that to Trump's hair. It was like, you got some shitty hair. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I My respect for him just skyrocketed. That's such, that's so awesome. 
Yeah. Oh, man. Um, and apparently also Nick Nolte was in some TV show called Graves, mm-hmm. uh, where he plays like a former U.S. president. Uh, it just it aired the last two years, and apparently sure. it was just canceled. Like, cool. No one watched it. Nolte's got to eat. Who cares? Um, yep. Woke recommendation. Um, people should watch this because Nick Nolte, once again, he, <laughs> he looks like this really intense but relatable um anarcho primitivist uh kind of nut job that you'd like meet at a dsa social mixer um <laughs> but he also has like this, this spark of like relatability there and like for all for all his like crazy theories is like something there and you, you just want to hear him out and um the passion is what brings you is what brings you back yeah the passion of nick nolte <laughs> name of the episode <laughs> <laughs> might, might be <laughs> Um, our bespoke is uh, tangentially Nick Nolte related. I think you've earned this one. You, you've earned this little this little bit here. <laughs> uh, so Nick Nolte and um, Eric Bana both look like gamers, and they both yes. act like gamers yes. to an extent. They do. Uh, Nick Nolte is like more of the old school gamer, yes. and Eric Bana is more of like the millennial gamer type. Zoomer. Yeah, almost Zoomer esque. Uh, yeah, uh, wide eyed, screaming uh, racial profanities, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that transitions here into uh, one of the best video games of all yes. time, uh, the 2005 video game, The Incredible Hulk: Ultimate Destruction. Yes, um, it was the first Hulk open world sandbox game. Mm-hmm. There were there were two uh, two maps. There was a city, uh, nondescript city, and a desert with a, a small town. Right. And uh, yeah, you just like there was a story. I don't remember it. It involved um, the Hulk's uh, arch nemesis, Abomination. Mm-hmm. There were, and there were some other comic book characters. So it was kind of cool to see um, a lot of that in a video game. Because I mean, really, previously there were a few. Hulk games kind of like I think side scrolling beat em ups. Sure. But sure. Not much. Um but yeah, you were you were you were given a lot of um opportunities to do just like crazy shit with the environment. Um you could surf on buses, like you would you would pick a bus up, you would like smash it down and then like surf on this like flat bus. Um you would get like a a wrecking ball and like take it off of the crane. Yep. And you could wield it like a flail. Um, you would you would rip a car in half and then I put remember this each half it, on yeah. the hands yeah and then it would be like boxing gloves yep. and a lot of this shit is actually done in the 2008 Hulk movie but it sucks there and it's but it sucks and it's there. awesome in this movie in this game yeah this game is inspired mm-hmm. um, you can wield like steel I beams like clubs you can run up buildings you can do wrestling moves like you can do an elbow drop off of a building like, you yeah. can run up a building and then do an elbow drop on um, most of the like the, there's like grunt characters you fight are robots actually and some tanks and helicopters and stuff folks we're pivoting to be in a gamer channel right now just <laughs> in, yeah. in real time we're this is what we're gonna do we're gonna buy this game and we're gonna twitch stream us playing yes. this game yes uh, and this game also has uh, an alternative skin you can put on, which is Joe Fixit. Oh, Joe Fixit Hulk. In the comics uh, from the 90s, uh, Gray Hulk, he is actually Bruce Banner. Something happens to mm. him and he becomes Gray Hulk. Uh, and like to get away from somebody chasing him or something, he moonlights as like a Las Vegas like enforcer at at like nightclubs. The Hulk's done some weird things over the years and, and Joe Fixit is one of the 
the the wonkiest out of left field for sure oh yeah yeah he wears a blue pinstripe suit and a fedora and he talks with like a brooklyn accent (laughs) it's it's inspired it's inspired shit um but yeah no that game is fun i uh i remember we played it one time way back when we when you were living in boston and um yeah just pure hulk experience yeah yeah and then there actually was a open world game created for the 2008 movie but that game is fucking awful yeah i think most all of the marvel tie-in games have been pretty poorly received oh yeah for sure the iron man game was yeah abysmal all right that is our hulk episode folks and remember Um, gamers are bad um (laughs) (laughs) we're the only good ones yes that's it watch our twitch stream whenever we do that but uh, yeah, that was Hulk uh, 2003, better than 2008 Hulk, and something you should check out. Hell yeah. We will see you next week. See you next week. Procon Smash. Dr. Spanner, by Gamma Ray.